So I'm going to go ahead and uh, just begin my message, but first I want to uh, pray, if you'd pray with me. Father, thanks again for um, the treasure of who you are, really. Um, that, that, that parable about, about seeking for the lost coin, it goes both ways. It's, it's us searching for you because you're our treasure, but you are the one that searches for us. And, and, and uh, even though you know right where we are, you're never going to give up on us. You, you refuse. We're far too valuable to you. And we thank you, Father. Thank you that we are your loved, uh, wanted children. And Jesus, thank you that you came to perfectly display the heart of the Father to a world that didn't understand. And Holy Spirit, we ask you, we thank you for the gift that you are to us, and we ask you to touch our hearts. Continue to soften our hearts. Any places where our hearts have become hard, soften them again, Holy Spirit. You're so good at that. Because you know what we're longing for. You know that our heart is longing for connection with, with Papa, with each other. Um, we're longing for the deeper things of life. And that's exactly what you bring. So Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves. We submit to you because when we do, really, really good things happen. Amen. Amen, amen. So my title tonight is um, From Shame to Freedom. And uh, I want to read from uh, John chapter 4 in the Passion Translation. Um, This is going to be uh, the story that most of you know as the woman at the well. And in case some of you are here you know, already kind of shutting off and going, okay, how many times have I heard someone preach a message on this? I just want to tell you, as far as I know, I could have forgotten, been a pastor 25 years, I don't recall ever preaching on this. So you get to hear it from me. Um, <laughs> but I want to tell you why I'm preaching it, because it, it rocked me. I, I read it a few weeks ago while, while we were on our short sabbatical, and uh, it really deeply impacted me, and I, I saw things in it I had never seen before. I love it when that happens. So I'm just asking you to, to, um, to allow, especially if you've heard this story a lot, but just to allow the Holy Spirit to, to show you some things and to touch your heart in a way that perhaps you never have with this story before. So I'm going to be doing this a lot because I want to see you, but I can't see you with these on, but I can't see that without them on, so I'm just going to go back and forth here. Um, because I want to read right from this. I have some pictures that we'll get to in a minute. But this is um, interesting. I told you, you know, most of you would know this as, as the story of the woman at the well. But in the Passion Translation, they title it, A Thirsty Savior. Which says a whole lot about what this story is truly about. I'm going to go and start with verse 1. Um, Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders, known as the separated ones. That's what the Passion calls the Pharisees, because they wanted to separate themselves out as holier than others. That Jesus, so the news reached these Jewish leaders, that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. That wasn't sitting well with them, because they saw him now as the bigger threat. Although, the, uh, John says in parentheses, although Jesus didn't baptize, but had his disciples baptize the people. In other words, they even got that wrong. But anyway, going on with the story, John says, Jesus heard what was being said, and he abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee and had to pass through the Samaritan territory. Now, actually, he didn't have to pass through there. He chose to um, because Jesus often 
would, uh, I mean, he loved, lived his life, right, following the Father's lead, but that wasn't the path he had to take. It's the one he took. Um, Jesus, it says, in fact, before I go on now, first of many times I'll take these off. Um, before we go on, I just want to say that I don't think, I'm going to give you my impressions at times, okay, of, what, of just things that I believe the Spirit's showing me, but I don't think that Jesus left because he was afraid for his life. There were many times he was in the midst of that hornet's nest called the Pharisees, and, and uh, he didn't run. Um, but I think he left, I, I think, and even as this story goes on, Jesus was human. He was God who left his godness, became human like us, lived life in the spirit to show us that could be done. I truly believe he had had enough. Like he was, I'm trying to do good things, and here we go again. This, this religious spirit is choking me to death. It's killing me. I need to get away from this. You, I mean, you might be thinking, Jesus wouldn't do that. Tempted in every way as we were. Lived life like we did. He got fed up with things. He was tired. Of, he was tired. Really? I'm trying to do good and that's what you're going to do? I, I believe that will come into play. It says that Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied uh, by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. There you go. Um, so he's in the middle of a desert. He's sitting at the edge of a well. Why is this significant? I want to tell you something. Everything Jesus did in his life was extremely significant, very prophetic. He was living out things that the Father wanted to show us. So he's going to Jacob's well, and he's about to have one of the most important conversations he's going to have with a person that's, that's recorded for us, with this woman at the well. So he's at this at Jacob's well. But remember, Jacob was... Uh, he deceived his father for an inheritance. Jacob's well uh, represents for us all, all of those ways in which we, we feel like we have to uh, put on a front, deceive other people, do things to get a blessing, to kind of get something from God. It's the religious, it's that religious thing. Instead of just receiving from the Lord. So here he is at Jacob's well. And it goes on to say that, I'm going to go to the next picture here. All right, this is getting a little tricky. I need, uh, I need this is one of those nights I need one of these mics. Um, now it says that, uh, that he sent his disciples into the village to buy food for it was already afternoon. Okay, so there, this is where I'm thinking... Truly, I mean, I don't know if you do this. I love to look into stories and just ponder and wonder, what was he, what was he thinking? Why did he send his disciples off? I think he needed some time. He needs some alone time. He's tired. He's, he's pretty beaten up by, the, by this, uh, again, religious spirit that wants him dead. And uh, it says, pretty soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So here she comes. Now, this woman is coming in the middle of the day. Now, many of you have heard this teaching before. I think this is very, very appropriate to, to share again. 
Why is that significant in the middle of the day? Because people didn't go to the well at the middle of the day. They went in the morning or in the evening. It's very hot in the middle of the day. But as we're going to learn in the story in just a moment, this is the woman that had five husbands and now is living with someone who's not her husband. This is a person who's so sick and tired of, of all of the scorn, all of the, the looks her way, sometimes hearing uh, the whispers, uh, maybe sometimes not even whispers, maybe just mean remarks. She, she can't take it anymore. I'll take the heat of the day over that. And as we're going to see, Jesus is going to encounter this woman. But I also, I want us, this, this story is going to impact us in several different ways. But I want us to think about how many people in life, sometimes this person is us, but sometimes it's somebody else who's around us, who's just so tired because all they get is, is the scorn, is the judgment. Jesus is about to show us how to uh, treat such a person. So it says, soon the Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to me, Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Why is that significant? First of all, Jesus is a pretty smart guy. I bet you he could have found a way to get a drink of water before she came. Right? So, so I don't believe the point of the story is simply that he was really thirsty and then, whew, good thing a woman with, you know, some utensils came along so I can get some water. He's asking a Samaritan woman, this is a big no-no, okay, for Jewish culture. Samaritan is a half-Jew. I want to stop here and say, how do these things even happen? A half-Jew is somehow someone that's looked down upon terribly. How, where do things like this happen? We, there are certain ways in which certain groups of people, certain types, that suddenly we look down upon. Jesus asks her. He doesn't. He doesn't say anything yet about, well, uh, you can't be here. This is the well from my father's. What are you doing here? You're only a half-Jew. So, but he says to her, I want you to give me a drink. I believe this is one of the most profound statements of this entire uh, dialogue that he's going to have with her, and it passes right by us because we're thinking of it just in the physical sense. Oh, that was nice of him. It was nice of him. He did include her. He accepted her. He showed her right away, I accept you. I welcome you. But he's asking her for a drink. What is he really asking her? And I, 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 I want you to think about this because Jesus actually had a need here. And the need wasn't primarily physical. He actually wanted her devotion. He says, you actually, by you loving me, that's, that's my drink. I'm about to tell you how you can drink from me. But this is all about a you and me relationship, about, about mutual love. It's what we were singing in worship tonight. Believe it or not, you, you fill Jesus' love tank. Don't ask me how that's possible. I'm not asking you to, you know, theologize this with me. I'm just telling you, you do. And he's, he's actually beginning a dialogue, because you'll see where this is going to go. That's actually what he's asking her. But he's, he's brilliant. He just starts by asking her for a drink of water. Surprised. Hmm. She said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jews won't even uh, drink from a cup that a Samaritan has, has used. 
She's like, what, 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 what's going on here? So um, Jesus replies this to her. He says, if you drink from Jacob's well, remember we said that's the well, that's, that's putting on that false front. That's doing what you think you need to do to trick someone into a, a blessing rather than receiving what's yours. If you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again. They will be forever satisfied. That word living means flowing. Jacob's well was a spring coming from underground. Jesus is purposely using an analogy with water, saying, why would you take something that's just a spring when you can have fresh, flowing water? Isn't that what you would, isn't that what you would really like? That's what, that's what he's saying to her. Isn't that what you would really like? And she's saying, yes. Okay? Hang with me here. This, is, this gets really, really good. My issue is still this. All right. So the woman, the woman replies. She says, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. See, she's getting really practical here. I, you don't have a bucket. And this well is very deep. She's doing the math, you know. Uh, you're not going to reach down there. So where do you find this living water? See, he's got the hook now. Now she's really interested. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and his livestock? Obviously, she had no idea who she was talking to. <laughs> do you really think you're bigger than Jacob, better than Jacob? But he doesn't, notice he doesn't put her in, in, in her place at all because he's never about that. He says to her, I'm sorry. Boy, you know what? I skipped a whole bunch. I apologize. This is just from going back and forth. So this is where Jesus says, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. He goes on to say, for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. And very interesting, that word for springing up, check this out. Halomeno, springing up, it's never used for inanimate objects like water. That's a word that would never be used for water. It's used for people. It means jumping or leaping up. So just a moment ago, um, Bill was up here praying, and we were asking for the Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us, fill us. He says, if you'll allow my fresh living water, you don't want this spring water. You don't want to have to put on an act. It gets old. It gets tired. Can you just receive my love? Let me tell you who you are. Let this water flow right through you. And when you do, the spirit, a person, is going to jump and leap up from you. Let's stop for a moment. I would like you to do something for me. Put your, put your hand on your belly for a moment. Because Jesus said, from your belly will flow streams of living water. This was later in the book of John. And he said, it's the Spirit. It's this Holy Spirit. And so I am, right now, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, would you, yeah, go ahead and ask him, would you jump up? Would you leap up? within me 
See, now, remember, we said earlier also he has gifts, right? Lots of gifts here tonight. And he's, it's in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift there is. There's no greater gift you've been given. And in case you think he's passed you by, he says, no, I'm inside of you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm your companion. I'm your friend. And I leap up at times and I jump up at times just when you need it. Because there's a world who needs to know the love of a father. There's a world that needs to know there's a savior who came. So I'm living in you to jump up, to spring up, to spring forth with the life of Jesus. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Now, what I love about this, about what we did in worship, about Bill praying this, and we were, I, I, I could feel the Spirit moving, and I know he was touching, actually, he was touching all of you. I know some of you were feeling it, some of you were not. That's okay. It's not based on feeling, but I know he was touching you all. And even now, we're stopping in the middle of the story to, to experience it. Why I love this so much is because think about this story. Jesus knows, he knows what's going on with this woman because he's about to tell her so. But who did he get that from? The Father, through the Spirit. He knows what's up with this woman. He's about to say some things, right? About, about her life. He hasn't even mentioned it yet. Do you know what he's told her? I accept you. I welcome you. I don't look down on you. You're important to me. I have life for you. Let my water flow through you. Let my life, my living water flow through you. He has not said anything yet about what we would say, oh, well, that's a sinful lifestyle. Hasn't even come up on the uh, conversation list yet. Isn't that amazing? That is God. That is God. That's Jesus. That's Jesus who perfectly represents his father. Perfectly represents his father. It's not like Jesus, like dad's mad, but Jesus is going to come and save the day for us. He is perfectly representing the Father's heart. He's not, he, didn't, he didn't come to go after sin. He came to give us life. Do you see the difference? Giving us life is going to take care of the, the sin things that keep dragging us down. We're going to get to that in a second. But I'm telling you, he came to give us life. It's why, it's why the paralytic lowered through the floor and he says, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And he never, that paralytic never asked for forgiveness. How is that possible? See, it blows our circuits. That's so against our theology. But God came to forgive. He came to, to free us. He came to love us. And then our response is, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. See, that's the way it goes. And we keep expecting ourselves and the world to get their acts together so that God can bless us. No, you got it backwards. He's going to bless you because he loves you. And because he loves you so much, your life starts changing. And you start figuring out who you are because you start listening to who he says you are. And that's what this story is about. That's what this story is about with this woman. Then he says this. Why don't you go get your husband? Now, I want to say something right here. Your understanding, your belief about who God is, is going to give you 
is going to is going to dictate how you perceive that statement. Was Jesus, who represents the Father, was Jesus trying to shame her? Or was he trying to release her from shame? But I'm telling you, your perception of God, you can read this same story in two different ways. I'll tell you, I, I know what the answer is. We know, we know, of, we know. In, we know Jesus was not trying to shame her. We know that there's a part of our, our spirit just knows it. But you can read this and go, well, that wasn't cool. Boy, he, ooh, he just, wow, right on that sore spot. Why don't you go get your husband? She says, um, well, actually, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a husband, you know. He says, um, I'm not married. He says, that's right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with isn't your husband. Now, believe me, Bill does not teach this in his prophetic training school. We do not teach to prophesy in this way. But I'm telling you, Jesus knew what he was doing. He was not shaming her. I'm going I'm to prove it to you. And you'll see as the story goes on, because I'll tell you, what, what happens when we get shamed? We want to cover and hide some more. Right? That's what shame does. I am a bad person. That's what shame tells you. It's totally not true. But that's what shame tells you. I'm, not just so you've done something bad, but I am bad to the core. There's something inherently wrong with me. That's what shame tells you. Jesus was not doing that for her. He says, um, yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you, you've got five husbands. The one you're with isn't, uh, isn't your husband. That got her attention. She says, um, the woman said, you, you must be a prophet. She still doesn't know who Jesus is. i convinced of that because listen to the next one. So tell me this, and I can almost hear in her voice. So tell me this, Mr. Prophet guy. That's pretty much what she's doing. Why do our fathers worship God, our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place to where we must worship, which is right. She's like, how many, anyone in here um, where you want to get it right? You know what I'm saying? A lot of us, we, I want to get it the right way because I don't want to be deceived, right? Understandable. Um, but again, she doesn't know yet really who she's talking to. So she's saying, how do I know? How do I know who you are and what's right? So she's asking this question. Here's his response. She said, uh, Jesus says to her, he says, believe me, Dear woman, dear woman, he, that, that right there, dear woman, he, he is feeling that. He's not scolding her. I guarantee you he's not saying, well, believe me, dear woman. <laughs> he says, believe me, dear woman, dear woman. He's like saying, what would be in our culture? It would be, oh, sweetie, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something you don't really know. See, he, he's got tremendous compassion for her. He says, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Did you catch that? She says, do I worship God here or here? 
And he says, you have a father. Why do people, why do all of us mess up our lives? <laughs> why, meaning, why do we make poor choices that we know are destructive? I'll tell you why. Because there's pain somewhere in the past. Almost always. Yeah, sometimes we can just make stupid decisions. It happens now and then. But I'm saying ongoing stuff when we don't want to be trapped in stuff. Why do we, why do we go back there? Because we're in pain. There's something that needs his touch. And you want to talk to me about a woman who has, has been with at least six men. I'm going to tell you that the chances are extremely high that she has some very big father wounds. I, I, I never saw this so clearly as reading it this time. He's saying he didn't push on that, that sore spot, you know, to, to push it, to, you know, to lord it over her, to put it in her face, to say, you, you know, you're, you scum. Why would you do that? He's like, let, let me just, mm, that father thing. He's like, ah, we're actually going to get to the root of this for you. So she starts with a very functional question. Is it this mountain or that mountain? Where can I go to worship God? He says, you have a father. You have a father. And you're not going to worship him here or there, but actually in your heart. Do you know what he's saying? Your father wants to be with you. I'm telling each of you, your father wants to be with you. Your papa loves you. He goes on and says, your people don't really know the one they worship. That word know means that experiential knowing. He says, we Jews worship out of our experience. It's from the Jews that salvation is made available. Now, this is crazy to me. <laughs> this is just crazy to me. God's love is so strong, he can't even seem to hold to his own theology. I'm going to explain that one. That statement probably bothers some of you already. Oh, well. Read the book of Hebrews. Read anywhere you want to. When does the, when does, when does the new covenant begin? It begins when Jesus dies on the cross. It, it's, it's all over Hebrews. He hasn't died yet, but he can't help himself. <laughs> Because he loves this woman. All the disciples are gone. Maybe that's why he leaked it out a bit early, you know? He's like, it's from the Jews that salvation's made available. He's already, he's already opening up the, you know, rolling out the red carpet and saying, come on in. He hasn't even died yet. It's like, it's like the, the, um, the Pharisee, the Nicodemus that came to him in the middle of the night, right? And he's having this conversation in secret about being born again. Jesus is starting to tell him all about it. I almost can hear him going, whoop, whoop, ah, shoot, I'm ahead of myself. Can't actually let you go there yet because I haven't died, but, but this is what it's going to be like in just a short time. This feels like that. He so, so loves this woman and has so much compassion for her. He's already talking, he's already talking to her about salvation. And he says, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. But you see, he's just been helping her heart mend. He's giving her the right heart. 
For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and the truth. So the woman, (laughs) I don't know if you and I can even imagine that. Most of us have grown up, well, a lot of us have grown up in in a spiritual atmosphere, and so... We hear pieces of things, right? But here's, she's just getting it all at once. She's getting this, you know, dump truck just right here of this truth. And what she says is, whoa, she's like, um, a little bit overwhelming here. This is all so confusing. But I do know, here's what I know. I know, because I've been taught this, that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah, and when he comes, he will tell us everything. She's like, whoa, 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 this sounds really good, but I'm not sure about this. I think it's too good to be true. Messiah is going to make all this make sense. Yep. And uh, Jesus says to her, you don't have to wait any longer because the anointed one is here. I'm right here. I'm right here. And I'm telling you for your life, he is right here. You don't have to wait for anything. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one that you are looking for. And at that moment, the disciples returned. They were stunned to see Jesus speaking with this Samaritan woman. (laughs) Jesus, what are you doing? He had already he had already plowed through so many of their traditions. Like they're like, we cannot ask him, but what is he doing? It says none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once the woman dropped her jar and ran off to the village and told everyone. This this to me is the proof that Jesus was not shaming her, but healing her and setting her free. If you are shamed, you are not going to run to the village of people who have been shaming you your whole life and tell them, I just met this guy that you have just got to meet. This is too amazing. You've got to meet this guy. Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. What? Oh, yeah, we've read the story a hundred times. Oh, then she goes and tells them, and then the people all come streaming back. Wow, that's amazing. No, what? They actually listened to her? They actually left their village and walked that mile or whatever in the hot sun because of what she said? What kind of interaction happened? What was on her countenance? What did they see in her and say, whoa, something in you changed massively. I got I to gotta meet this guy. In the, the ancient Christian world, they, they named this Samaritan woman Fotini, which means enlightened one. She's going to go down in history as the first New Testament evangelist to win a city for Christ. That's what happened. Why? It's the same reason for you and me. It's the the testimonies that we're sharing. 
And here's what it is. In a nutshell, this is the good news. Jesus knows everything I've done, and he still loves me. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that our story? Oh, it's got little, you know, different twists and turns. We, we, we all have had, you know, skeletons in our closet, things that we are not proud of at all. And at some, at some point, Jesus came and got us. And he loved us through that. And he said, I'm going to love you more. I'm going to love you enough so that those things that don't have power over you, I'm, your, your love for me is going to cause you to walk away from those things that were destroying you. That is our story. He knows everything about me, and he loves me. And that's your story, too. So I want to... I want to ask this question. Um, Well, I want to make a statement first. that, That shame was gone. That shame was gone. That what the enemy tried to use to keep her in prison, Jesus used as his trophy. His trophy of freedom. His trophy of victory. And that's what he's doing in your life. But what about, what about when he pushes that, mm, that spot? Why don't, you, why don't you go get your husband? Ouch. Is Jesus a cruel savior or a beautiful, loving savior? We know the answer. But that doesn't mean there are moments in which we don't feel that little ouch. Because he loves us so much. So there's things, he says, there's things that are, I I know what you want. I'm the living water. I'm everything you've ever wanted. And sometimes there are things that are stealing that from you. You know, it, it, for some, it's, it's uh, like with this woman, it could be, you know, just multiple partners. Um, sexually. It can be um, addictions to pornography, to drugs. Um, it, um, gosh, I, 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 there, there's so many things that, um, that are lies. And, and we know they're lies. But for some reason, we feel like they have this grip on us, and we, and we just can't seem to let go. We can't seem to get free, no matter, no matter how much we try. And we go back into these cycles of promising God, I'll never do that again. How's that going for you? You know, because it doesn't go so well. Because we're trying to tell God, I'll change myself for you. And he says, no, that was never the deal. Here's the deal. Is I'll be your living water. I'll be the water that refreshes you. I'll be, I'll be that, that relationship, the thing that's going to satisfy that deepest place in you. But he, does, he wants us. He will push on those things sometimes because he loves us. He says, that's not you. That's not you. That's not the real you. That's not what I paid for. I paid for you to be free. And so he's not mad He's not, he's, not even, he's not even irritated. Wouldn't you think? You know, if we, had, if we had good friends that just, some of us do, we have good friends, we have spouses, people that just go back into the same patterns over and over. That's not Jesus. He doesn't get irritated. But he does want to deal with it. And I, I was praying a lot tonight about um, the freedom, um, which we even spoke about earlier. 
And I truly believe in, in two different ways. I believe Jesus wants to bring um, a huge, uh, uh, you know, breakthrough of freedom for us tonight. And w- one is for us personally, where the, the things that have held us back, because um, some of you might hear this story and you think, well, that's good for the woman at the well, but then she turned to Jesus and then she had never had any more issues in her life. And, and I turned to Jesus, but I still have issues in my life. Well, how do you know she had no more issues? Because everybody that I know that turns to Jesus still has issues to deal with along the way. The lie from the enemy is you're the only one. Which brings what? Shame. You're the bad person. Nobody else is. Nobody else has problems. But Jesus says, you know what? Um, I'm not asking you to, to double your efforts to break this thing. I'm asking you to let yourself go into the river of my love. Let my love wash through these things because that's the only thing that's going to work. But it does require our willingness. It does. It requires our desire to say, God, I, I, I really, Jesus, I do want you more than I want these things that are destroying my life. So I believe that's, that's one area he wants to bring freedom. And the other, because this woman at the well represents many people we will encounter Ones that it will be really tempted to judge. And Jesus says, don't do it. Do not judge. Let your motive always be love. And you're thinking, yeah, but they're doing this and that. He says, yeah, I know. I also know what you're doing. And I love you too. Don't judge. Love them. Love them. But does that mean that I'm condoning what they're doing? I don't see that in the scriptures. I I just see, he says, this is in Ephesians, I believe, 5, but he says, do what your heavenly father does as his children imitate him. Mostly what he does is love you. Comes out of the book of Ephesians. That's what he's called us to do, to be ambassadors of love. So we help people who want to be free for sure. Doesn't mean we just pretend nothing's going on. Some people want help. Some people do not want help. You cannot help people that don't want help. I don't know if you figured that out yet. But to those who are wanting freedom, absolutely. If you have favor and you're a friend and you can help them, please do. Tell them about Jesus who loves them. Tell your own story. Tell where you are in your story. Be real in your story. Instead of pretending that you accepted Jesus so now you have no more problems. You've actually just made yourself irrelevant to a whole lot of people. If you don't have problems, then I don't know how you're going to help me. So I believe on a different level, the Lord wants to free us from, from judging, from the things that would keep us away from being Jesus to that woman. You are the woman at the well in this story, and you are Jesus to others in this story. You're both. So I want to actually invite you to come forward. Kat, would you just play something? I'm just, would you just doodle? Would you? I, I, love, I love when she does that. But I, I'm not trying to make this really heavy, nor am I trying to make it lighthearted. I'm saying if you want to spend some time with Jesus and get free of some things, would you, would you come make your way up here? I want to I give him time to just minister to you. I want to pray over you. Um, and then, but just come up. If you, if you're saying, Jesus, I want your freedom. I feel stuck. 
And again, it could be stuck on, it's not just the things I mentioned. We're, we're all stuck at times. I get stuck at times. I say, Jesus, I need you. I need you again. I need another encounter at the well. Because I've been going back to Jacob's well. I need you, Jesus. I need fresh, living water. And again, if, you found, if you're finding yourself judging people a lot, can I ask you also to receive that kind of freedom as well? Just to come and be free of any judgment in your heart. Just let him wash that away. And I'm asking right now, Jesus, because you know each person here intimately. You know everything about them. You know that sore spot. You know that spot, that, that's, that place that the enemy is trying to bring shame. And Jesus, you don't shame any person in this, in this room. You love each one. So I just want you to be real with Jesus for a moment. Being real as in, you know, the woman did in the end say, yep, that's, that's the issue. Just be real with him. Um, don't pretend. Don't, don't be like Jacob and try to put on a false front to get a, try to get a blessing. He's not interested at all. Just let him know how much you need him. Let him know how much you long for the freedom that is your inheritance, that's a gift for you. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, when I was pondering this story, I just, I fell in love with you in a, in a new and a different way. You're so kind. You are so kind-hearted, Jesus. And honestly, there's that place in our heart that's just longing to be with you, to, in heaven, to see you, to be embraced by you. And yet, right now, we can experience more of that. And we're asking for that. We're saying, Jesus, we need you to touch that place in our hearts. For this woman at the well, for Fotini, you, you knew she had some father wounds. And you presented her with a father who loved her. Jesus, I'm asking that whatever the, the core pain, whatever the... the um, the trauma, the issues, anything, lies in our past that are causing us to live a lie. Jesus, would you expose that into the light? We just put that into the light, even if we don't know what it is. Some of you may know what it is. Some of you don't know at all what it is. Just somehow, just from your heart, just let Jesus shine a light. Invite him to shine a light. Jesus, we invite you to shine a light on any dark places, any lies, anything that, that's causing us to see ourselves differently than you see us. Jesus, shine that light on us. And now, Jesus, we're asking, because the, the reason why we, we step out, the reason why we, the reason why we judge, the reason why we do things that are destructive is that there's something, there's a hole somewhere, there's an emptiness somewhere that we're trying to fill. And Jesus, only you can fill it. Only you can fill it, Jesus. Come and fill us, Jesus. 
Fill us with your love, with your light. Fill us with your truth, the truth of who you are as Messiah who loves us. Holy Spirit, again, I'm asking for each, each one here, fill us. Fill us, fill us up. Just like this, this, uh, this uh, spring that bubbles up and up and now over, because, because it's actually coming from the throne of God, it's the river. It's not a spring. It's a river from the throne of God. And I declare right now, Father, that river that is described in the book of Revelation, it's described in the book of Ezekiel and other places, that river from heaven is flowing from your throne. It's flowing right through us. It's flowing right through us. And it's taking out impurities, wrong thoughts. It's freeing us from from wrong ways of perceiving ourselves and others. Let the river, the cleansing river, flow right through us. And Father, this is from your throne. It's from your throne. You are the Father who loves. You are the Father who forgives and cleanses and adores. And Lord, you adore us not because we're clean. You adore us because we're yours. And because you're, you're, we're yours, you make us clean. You say, this is my gift to you. This is what I do for the ones I love. I love you, my children. Jesus, go deeper now. Go deeper. Just go deeper. Fill in the places. I'm asking, Lord, where there are, where are, there are father wounds, I'm asking you, Papa, that you usher in your love, your Papa's love, where there are mother wounds, that you usher in that Mama's love, where others have hurt or wounded or betrayed us. Be our healing salve. Be the healing to our heart, Jesus our true friend who never betrays, who never walks away. Where there's deep loneliness in our hearts, Lord, we need your companionship. We need to feel it. We need to know. We need to see that you're right here. just tell you something um, Hebrews 12 says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that means there's not only angels present but there are some who've gone before us and I truly believe that on a night like tonight Jesus gives a woman named Fotini the joy of laughing over all of you, smiling over you, saying, oh, I know, I know what that feels like because I was there. And then Jesus, Jesus, he came and he loved me and he wanted me and he gave me hope. And I became an evangelist because I couldn't help myself. See, there's a, there's a litany of, of people, all of us together that are telling one big story. 
And your story matters. Your story is important. You are important. And right now, the Lord is touching you. Jesus is touching you with the Father's love. Holy Spirit is welling up within you because He chose you. He wanted His home to be inside of you. He will never change His mind. So I want to just ask if there are some of the uh, elders, overseers, if you're not standing up here, if you are, stay here. But those that are seated, if you'd want to, uh, if you'd be willing, and, and the prayer teams, just to come up and um, be led by the Spirit. Just be led by the Spirit to bless what the Lord is doing. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your freedom, Jesus. We need you. Thank you for your living water. There's a scripture in John that where Jesus says, you are clean already by the word I have spoken over you. Let that one sink in. You are clean already by the word I have spoken over you. And if you've never received the forgiveness of Jesus, if you've never seen him as Messiah, tell him now, Jesus, I see you. I see who you are. Just like the woman finally saw you, I see you. You are my Savior. You're my Messiah. You're the one who died for me. You're the one I want to follow. I receive your forgiveness. Just say that to yourself. I receive your forgiveness. I receive it. I believe it. I am forgiven. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are that gift within that leaps up, that springs up so that when we leave a place like this and we're touched by Jesus, whether for the first time or the thousandth time, we get to go tell our stories. I have a Savior. He knows everything about me and He loves me. (laughs) He knows everything about me and He loves me. That's my story. That's your story. So go ahead and linger if you would like for a while.